0: Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. With the certainty that it's not if an organization will be hacked, but when, good security testing is increasingly vital. And one of the fastest growing security testing tools is red teaming. The idea is to put security defences, technical and especially human, through their paces against an adversary and in real time. Often the lessons learned are very revealing. Of course, red team exercises do have downsides, not least in their cost and the potential for disruption, but that's unlikely to stop their progress. But what exactly is a red team and where does the name come from? Gemma Moore is a pen-testing expert at Cyberis and a board member at Crest, the industry body for security testers.
1: A red team, it, it comes from military originally, uh, where the sort of US military would run wargaming exercises and the US military, they would be the blue team and the red team would be uh, taking on an adversarial role. At heart, what it is in, t- in relation to cybersecurity is um, we emulate the adversary. So we are looking to do the things that an adversary would do. It's a really good way to challenge your assumptions in terms of your defenses. So what we do in a red team is we look at attack paths and how to um en- enact attack paths to achieve a set of objectives, which are the type of objectives that an adversary would also want to achieve. So it might be getting access to your customer database. It might be um, getting access to your finance systems and making a payment to somebody it's objectives like that, that we're trying to achieve. And we're looking at the steps we can take in a pathway from a position of, um, you know, an external adversary who's on the internet all the way up to achieving those objectives. In terms of what we're doing there or what we're trying to achieve there, when you put it together with the response of what we tend to refer to as the blue team, so that's the people on the inside running the SOC, manning the defenses, maintaining the systems, Effectively, what we're trying to do there is highlight holes in the defences that they may not have thought about, um, highlight the way that different um, potentially fairly low risk vulnerabilities can be chained together in order to achieve an outcome. And most importantly, help them understand um, where they might have um, compound weaknesses that they haven't considered in their defences and therefore how they can improve their defences.
0: How, though? does a red team exercise differ from penetration testing? David Benson is a security consultant at Pentest People.
2: A red team will test the whole organisation, uh, essentially how it fares up to a worst-case scenario attack, and will also, if they have any goals in mind, so if they have any critical in- infrastructure, if they have any uh, financial holdings on site, uh, data centres and things like that. Um, and it's also whether... If they have a sort of threat with a competitive company eng- engaging in corporate espionage, harvesting data, uh, and such like, and it's a it, it's a, fa- a fantastic way of identifying the threats that a business may come up against, but it doesn't discover all the vulnerabilities on a corporate network or company uh, the company devices, for example, a red team will go. And seek out the sort of the weakest areas, and it's sort of a bit of a cliche, but we'll sort of go for the low-hanging fruits as an attacker would do. Um, uh, so on the flip side, a penetration test is designed to find all the vulnerabilities and configuration, configuration issues in an internal on their internal and external web applications, network and mobile devices, uh, workstations, and we'll exploit those vulnerabilities and we'll often use tools that sort of inverted commas hackers would use. And the penetration. The, the, the tester will then determine what these vulnerabilities are, what the risks pose to the organisation, and then we'll sort of provide a comprehensive remediation report so they can uh, sort of look into it. Uh, and in general, the a penetration test is mainly just sort of the digital infrastructure side of things. And another thing with the a penetration test, they uh, often come with sort of some internal bias. So will be given a specific set of IP addresses or VLANs and external applications to focus on, and that may not provide the whole picture of the organisation. They could just be testing um, sort of a new area of the digital organisation, part of the organisation, so it it doesn't probe everything, as it were. As with a red team, we will go at everything uh, to find our way in and achieve the goal that we've been defined.
1: I suppose there is no real... Um, typical red team but if I were to say how the attack path works for most of the red teams we do it tends to be uh, a bit of phishing at the start to compromise a workstation once we've compromised a workstation we're then trying to move through an internal network and normally Our goal is to achieve domain admin rights in some sort of Windows network because once we've got the domain admin rights in some sort of Windows network, we can then use that to impersonate whoever we want in that network or access any of the systems we want in that network, and that normally leads us to being able to achieve our objective. Now, the path can be very short or the path can be very long, but it normally boils down to some form of um, compromise of a workstation Lateral movement, privilege escalation, and then acting on our objectives at the end.
0: As Gemma Moore says, it's about finding a way into an organisation virtually and sometimes physically. Red teams are known for their stories of tailgating into buildings or smuggling themselves in as cleaners and then leaving a playing card on the chief executive's desk. But is that just spy fiction? Richard Hughes, head of technical cybersecurity at IT Group, thinks not.
3: The playing card is, uh, (laughs) is, is a nice touch. Um, but as part of the scoping, we will sit down and we'll discuss what that goal needs to be. Um, so it could be, um, you know, if we're more worried about the physical side, it could be, you know, walk out with a device and, you know, prove you've got that or, a, you know, a photograph at a particular point in the building, um, you know, maybe in the comms room or server rack behind you. Um, that, that sort of will be discussed with the client up front. But um, I mean, obviously, that sort of, uh, it, it, yeah, the playing cards is a nice story, but you know, in reality, it is, it is true. I mean, there is something that you will leave um, or evidence you will provide to say that you know you reach that target, um, and it's off, you know, often target based. So, um, you know, as part of the physical side of it, you know, we are all about the stealth, and I think red team again, um, you know, generally is about more about stealth. So, in a pen test, um, you might be sort of noisier on the network um, when you're doing your enumeration. Um, and you often get you know, the clients to say, "Oh, we've detected this. Is this you?" Um, whereas with red team, we'll be trying to be much stealthier to see how you know how long we can actually stay hidden um, and undetected. And, and the physical side of that is, is no different. So we will try and enter a building either via tailgating, um, cloning RFID cards, other you know electronic bypasses of security measures, or just plain social engineering. Um, so sometimes the simplest methods are, you know, absolutely best.
0: This matters because a red team exercise is looking at the organisation as a whole. A penetration test will focus on specific IT systems. Red teams also test people, says David Benson.
2: It's often said that the weakest part of a, uh, the security of an organisation is the people. Uh, and that's usually through lack of education and with a, a red team engagement a lot of the ways into the uh, sort of the organisation and, and reaching the goals is through social engineering. So that could be through phishing and phishing, uh, any physical intrusion. So on site, so we'll be uh, going through security guards and uh, receptionists and things like that. So a lot of it, if not most of it, will be um, sort of finding the the, the weaknesses in people uh, and how we can exploit that.
0: Even so, there's not really a standard goal for a red team exercise. Each one will be tailored to the target organisation and the risks it faces, says Gemma Moore.
1: Initially, what you want to understand for a business that wants to undergo a red teaming assessment is you want to understand uh, what threats they face. And so who is targeting them and what do those people want to do? It might be, as I say, extracting data. It might be introducing ransomware. Um, It might be... um, Corporate espionage is the thing that they are concerned about, and they're trying to protect intellectual property. Um, and you start from the point of view of um, understanding who the threat actors are and what they want to do. Um, and once we've got that understanding, our objective then as the red team is to become that threat actor and act in the way that they would. A key um, aspect of red teaming is that we don't just look at the technical aspects of it. We're looking at all sorts of um, aspects of how a business works. So we're looking at people and how they behave we're looking at processes and how they work and we're also looking at technology as well Um, but adding the sort of the people and the process part to that that means that there's normally some form of social engineering involved.
0: Making a red team exercise work though means working with the client's CISO and IT security team and finding out what they want from the test. David Benson explains.
2: We'll work with the client and we'll get a specific set of goals um, we'll also try and understand their threats if, if they are known sometimes it, it could be quite obvious other times um no not so and we may not be able to identify it just be a case of where they, they're just wanting to find out where they can be attacked um so don't and we'll, and we'll work off a framework and it's and i mean it, it does vary throughout the industry but they're, they're pretty standard and it generally dictates the flow of the engagement. Uh, so we'll start off with the typical sort of kickoff and scoping phase. And like I said here, we'll find out the goals, the threats, and uh, post the organizations. And then we'll define any rules of the engagement as well. Um, then we'll move on to the recon and planning stage. And this is where we're essentially sort of co- covertly gaining information on the organization. Uh, this is usually through OSINT, which is open source intelligence. Uh, we'll scan the dark web and the sort of standard web as well for to see if we can find any leaked credentials. Uh, we can gain, so we can gain access to emails or web portals. Uh, we're looking for information to gain entry into a building, perhaps. So we're looking for anything on social media, because obviously people often wear ID cards, and we'll look for third party contractors and shift routines and anything like that. Anything that can. Uh, we can then leverage for a, a phishing campaign and give us that level of trust with uh, the, the target, with the client, uh, essentially. We'll then move on to the delivery phase. And in my mind, in most people's mind, this is kind of the cool part, the fun part. Uh, and this is where having an adversary mindset kind of comes into play as well. So we use all the information that we had in the, uh, the, the sort of the recon and planning phase. And this is where we'll execute it and uh, we'll sort of fire off any phishing emails uh, to deliver any payloads. Uh, we'll gain credentials from a target uh, if they sort of click a link and go to one of our uh, specially crafted portals, uh, clone portals. And this is also the phase where we'll enter, potentially enter any buildings as well. Uh, so this, this is often the final goal for some Uh, If they just want to test their uh, buildings challenge policies uh, and security infrastructure and things like that, but also it can be a stepping stone to test the security of the networks. So we can often use this stage and we'll sort of covertly plant uh, drop boxes. Uh, on the network, or USB, leave a few USB sticks lying around. And these can have uh, simulated ransomware, so knowing I mean, with the hope someone will pick it up and plug it in, and we can have various different payloads on these. And next, we'll move on to the command and control and lateral movement stage, so we'll basically be getting a foothold onto the network here, we'll start to test the resilience and the response of the network and the staff that control it. And we'll look at the, any data to egress and laterally move around the network, and it essentially, Attempt to gain uh, escalate privileges, and you know, the higher the privileges, the higher the the bigger the prize. Essentially, for any adversary, and then finally, this is sort of where we deliver the report, and we'll debrief staff uh, to a technical level and uh, high level for the boards, and we'll offer any mit- mitigation advice and how to educate the staff and uh, on the different attack vectors.
0: A red team security test is sometimes compared to a military exercise. After all, the term red team has military origins. But is that stretching the point too far? David Benson, himself ex-military, says it's not.
2: No, it's not stretching too far at all because it does I mean, the military do use this. It's used in airports, it's used by the police and government um, uh, departments as well. So the whole sort of the red team thing does like I said, run off a, a very similar format. Um, and there are like I said, the reconnaissance phases and um, which, which are very military. And With ourselves, um, and I'm from the military, and as I said before, a red team, we want it to be diverse. We want it to have lots of different skill sets and things. But at the moment, the red teams are attracting people from the military and intelligence community, uh, sort of private intelligence community, who are coming into this industry. And often by virtue of the roles that have been undertaken by those sort of personnel in the military, on the front line and what have you, brings a set of skills that sort of fit fit perfectly into red teaming. So, I've got a colleague of mine who's in the private intelligence sector. I was personally worked in the Gulf with uh, the US Special Operations Teams, uh, Special Forces, um, and then particularly the Psychological Operations Teams. So, that enabled me to bring a certain set of skills. So, uh, much of the work I did uh, was intelligence gathering. So, we used humans, uh, rec- reconnaissance, disinformation, and propaganda. Uh, and I can adapt these into the kind of civilian world, um, into the red team in space, really. And being on operations as well, I think it gives you that kind of mindset because you have to know your surroundings. You have to know, uh, particularly on the front line, where your enemy are, who your enemy are. And you need to be able to second guess things. And having these skills, you're able to sort of adapt them and have that um, be able to get yourself into the mindset of an adversary, which is so important in your team. uh, And to be able to do that to provide the best simulated and realistic, um, as sort of realistic simulation for uh, the client.
0: So when and why should a company bring in a red team? It's often a way to take security to the next level, argues Richard Hughes.
3: If I answer that, I suppose the when first. Um, and I, I think it's for um, organisations that are perhaps a little bit more mature um, with their security programmes. Um, if they've been having regular pen tests, um, when they've actually resolved any elements of findings that have come out of those pen tests, then it may be a a good time to actually um, look at the red teaming. Um, In terms of why, the red teaming covers a a lot more um, breadth um, in terms of the scope. Uh, Not only are we looking at individual systems or devices, but you're actually looking at people and process as well. So we want to see how um, the organization may detect um, the red team activities, how they will protect against it, how they will respond. Um, and I think this, those elements you don't get um, in isolation when you're testing any one system um, or device. Um, and it is that, that breadth. And I think um, it, it will give a, you know, a, a much, much better idea um, that you are able to respond. Um, you know, to an attack um, and you're able to detect an attack, um, you know, to be honest, I mean, a lot of attacks will go undetected. Um, and I think it's, you know, it, it's been quoted as, uh, you know, an attacker can remain in your network for a year or more um, without being detected. And I think the red team is your opportunity to see, can you detect that? Because you know, what's happened. Um, you know, we're play back after the red team. This is what we did. This is what we would have expected you to see. Um, you know, you didn't detect us when we did this. Uh, so there's gaps there. And it's that collaboration and the the debrief afterwards that is very, very important.
0: Much of the benefit from red teaming comes from gaining more intelligence on threats and how to defend against them, says David Benson.
2: So a red team isn't necessarily compliance-led. We don't need to be in there for, uh, so I like said, so 27001, PSI, uh, DSS or anything like that. It's mainly because uh, a, a company wants to validate their security posture perhaps, or gather more intelligence on the threats, uh, their impacts of, this, uh, of a threat and uh, the remediation. And so if an organisation is sort of risk-driven uh, and it implements uh, an information security management system, for example, and this would be based on identifying and defending and assessing sort of all attack vectors and not just digital systems, then it'd be kind of the time to bring in a, a red team.
0: But red team exercises do have their downsides. There's the cost. And then there's the potential to disrupt the business and even to cause data loss.
2: Obviously, no, there's actually the financial cost as well. So you know, like you said before, they, I mean, they just by nature of a red team engagement, they do last a bit longer than, uh, or considerably longer than a, a penetration test or a publication test, for example. Um, so there are the cost of that side of things. But as far as the business side of things, as consultants, we, we do our best to limit uh, any disruptions. So we'll simulate, certain things so we for, well for starters we won't do anything like we won't dos them we won't do denial of service attack we'll simulate um ransomware or we'll simulate particularly uh, particular malware so instead of perhaps putting something on the network itself we may decide to just do leave a calling card and sort of say you no know, uh, you were hacked by so-and-so or something like you were compromised by so-and-so um i was on recent engagement and they did want us to shake things up they did want us to disrupt things um to so they're realizing and, and, and kind of uh got a kick up the backside really and so they knew what was going to happen so we really did test them um we fished them we got credentials we got into their sharepoint on their uh, office 365 we um we got into their buildings uh we got into their buildings a couple of times so we went back again um and then we had another building so you no know, we it was causing quite a lot of confusion and things like that. So that was down to the client. Um, the impact on their uh, customers, I, I, I don't think was very much, uh, just because of who the customers were and things like that. But I, with other tests, I mean, it is down to the client and how much they want. And we will obviously, as a red team, limit the amount of disruption that we will cause through Potentially uh, any sort of infiltration into the networks and things like that. So we will you know, use caution, um, but essentially it's down to the client how much they think they can uh, they can handle. Really,
0: as Gemma Moore says, it's a fine balance between protecting the business and simulating a realistic attack.
1: When we do uh, these adversary simulations, um, there is a lot of risk management that we do, and we take great care not to disrupt critical operational systems and this all happens in the scoping stages and um, you know we will talk to the people who are um, commissioning us and identify you know what are the systems that absolutely cannot go down are there any um delicate systems that you know are fragile that we need to avoid um there is often a way of um simulating an attack that doesn't actually have an operational impact and in fact if we do our red teaming correctly, there should be minimal operational impact on the business, unless, of course, one of the objectives that the business wants to simulate is that disruption to service. Because there are times when a business does want to um, effectively disrupt operational systems to see how the response to that exercises. So it's about working with our customers effectively, uh, making sure that we manage the risk and that they are comfortable with the risk. Um, in the, I've been well, working with adversary simulations for, well, at least 10 years now. And we very rarely actually disrupt any kind of operation through our activities. I think there's probably more, I think our customers are probably more nervous about um, adversary simulation than perhaps um, they should be. I mean, we have so many controls and so much expertise when we're running these types of simulation. Um, If you compare that with, um, the adversary, you know they're not going to mind necessarily if they cause operational disruption, except for the fact that causing operational disruption is probably one of the one of the things that is most likely to tip off a victim organization that there is a a compromise in progress.
0: yeah, it's a bit of a flag, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's why it's critical, David Benson believes to be upfront with the target business, so they know exactly what a red team exercise can mean.
2: There is a balance there. Uh, and we do work with the clients in um, the early stages, uh, so we'll obviously let them know what um, what the red team is. Uh, we'll let them know uh, what we will do and what we can do, and we'll let them know the limitations on on that. So we'll let them know that we can simulate things, and um, with a red team engagement, the less people that know within an organisation. Helps that, that's the best thing because so, we are testing people at the end of the day. So, at the top level, the board and things, it's usually uh, they're usually guided by their senior, you uh, know, the CISO, the CTO, and things like that. So, it, but, but it'll be a, a very few amount of people that will know about it. And, like you said, there is a trade off, um, but we do inform them. We do work with a a company beforehand to make sure that it's understood where the boundaries are and and the limitations are during an engagement.
0: No security test, though, adds value if its recommendations go unheeded. How should CISOs ensure the business acts on the findings? Richard Hughes concedes it's not always easy. Sometimes it takes a shock to the system.
3: It's education. And, you know, hopefully, particularly with Red Team, um, you know, I think it does provide um, some great education. Most of the time then, you know, sort of clients do take it seriously. I mean, when we're doing the sort of phys- physical side of the red team engagements as well, we we get jaw drops. You know, clients are, are completely unaware you know, sometimes of how unprotected they are. And um, they do act on it. You know, we, we've had a bank that so I obviously won't divulge uh, any further details, but we did actually um, you know make it uh, behind the scenes in the bank in uh, less than a minute through a fire escape door and um, you know, they hadn't realized it It wasn't actually alarmed during the day. And um, you know, we were able to get in with nothing more than the coat hanger. So, you know, we obviously notified them, you know, literally there and then, um, and they got a security um, team out to reprogram their alarm, alarm that door and and make other remediation, you know, literally there and then. So I think um, if you actually, uh, you know, help people to understand what it means to their business. Um, you know, So it's all very well saying you've got this vulnerability, but demonstrate it. And I think red team has got far more demonstration in it than you know, other forms of assessment. And people then do understand. I think we get more remediation out of a red team event than we do you know, a vulnerability assessment or a pen test.
0: So a red team exercise can be hard-hitting, but that's also why it's valuable. But will red teaming become a mainstream part of cyber defence? David Benson predicts that it will.
2: It will be adopted more. It's like ourselves; we can make it more accessible. It's tailor-made, so we can, if we we're approached by a smaller organisation, we can look at them and say, we can tailor this so it fits around you. And I think with adversaries having access to sort of more technologies newer technologies and emerging technologies and what have you um we need to keep up as red team so we need to adapt uh, I and mean, it's a, the whole it security space uh is uh, a cat and mouse game so we're always playing catch up um so we'll adapt um the pandemic that's brought some issues and, and with physical being on site um so we've had to adapt certain things so i mean gone on the days where you've been able to bump into someone with an RFID cloner. Uh, so we've had to look at other ways and be more social engineering and uh, and, and what have you. Um, but I think as a technique, Red Team means they were constantly developed, constant R&D and what have you. And I think they will be adopted by uh, smaller organizations just purely because the threats seem to be increasing. Uh, and like I said before, because a lot of these smaller companies knowing that that they underpin the large companies and, as part of uh, part of supply chains they need to be able to show that they uh, can stand up to any uh, any attack in sort of any any form really
1: to quote Donald Rumsfeld it's probably about identifying the unknown unknowns in your network and how they can trip you up so if you have a red team come in I mean businesses can spend a lot of money on defensive controls. Um, If you have a relatively mature SOC, if you have relatively mature controls on endpoints and across the network, um, you could have spent, well, hundreds of thousands of pounds on technical controls that you've put in your network that give you a lot of telemetry, a lot of information about things that are going on. And yet it might be that an adversary can still compromise a workstation, move through your network, escalate privileges and gain their objectives without you knowing how these different controls that you spent a lot of money on fit together. Because um, just having visibility of um, events that are happening in your network does not necessarily translate into having the ability to detect and respond to an incident. Having a red team in will help you identify, um, even if you've got all the data and the telemetry about everything that's happening on all of your systems, where your intelligence gaps are. It's, it's the difference really between having data and having intelligence.
0: Gemma Moore on how a red team exercise makes an organization's cyber defenses more effective by turning data into intelligence. And that wraps up this Security Insights special report. Next month, we'll have a two-part feature on nation-state threats, the threats to critical national infrastructure, and whether Cybergeddon could actually happen. The first part goes live on Tuesday, May the 4th, and I do hope you can join us then. In the meantime, you can catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk, and of course on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thanks again to our guests, and thank you for listening. Security Insights was written and presented by Stephen Pritchard and produced by ENS Media. And our guests in this episode were Gemma Moore from Cyberis, David Benson from Pentest People, and Richard Hughes from ALO IT Group.